0: Readers, I have another book tour stop for reading people rapidly approaching. This one is in the Indianapolis area. Wild Geese Books is graciously hosting me in Franklin, Indiana, Saturday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Tickets are available at their website. Visit wildgeesebookshop.com slash shop to get yours. wildgeesebookshop.com slash shop. Hope to see you there. Want a confidence boost? Take coloring your hair at home to the next level with Madison Reed. Get gorgeous professional hair color delivered to your door starting at $22. This is game-changing color you can do at home. And look as if you just came from the salon without the time or expense. At Madison Reed, master colorists blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones to create over 55 gorgeous multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. What Should I Read Next listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with the code READ. Use the code READ, R-E-A-D, at Madison-READ, R-E-E-D, dot com. Today, I'm chatting with Alexandra Rodriguez, an English teacher and grad student in the Indianapolis area whose reading life underwent a big change a few years ago. We dig into how reading 150 books in a year for the first time represented a silver lining for her during a really difficult time, and how a nudge from an old boss pointed her to take her literary life in a new direction. Today, Alexandra and I chat about her diverse favorites and her role in the Diverse Books Club, books that make you laugh and cry almost at the same time, lighthearted books that carry meaningful lessons, and authors that don't hold anything back. Let's get to it. Alexandra, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so great to get to talk to you again. So I've known you from the interwebs, mostly as Booked Up Blog on Instagram, and then I got to meet you in my kitchen in September,
1: which was so fun since you were on the Reading People lunch team. Yeah, that was great to be able. Thank you for welcoming us into your home. It was so much fun to actually get to meet you in person and meet <laughs> the person behind the voice that I've been listening to for years. So, <laughs> Well, it's so mutual. It's
0: You really get to know the people, I mean, everybody has their favorites that they follow online. So it took me a little bit to associate your name, Alexandra with booked up blog, because that's, that's how you existed in my head. But it's so great to see the actual living, breathing humans align with what they create. And it's a little more seamless than it used to be, especially thanks. to This is so weird. But Instagram stories has made it a lot easier to get a feel for what someone is actually like. I mean, you know what their voice sounds like. I did know you first from the internet as booked up blog, which tells me really one important thing about you, and that is reading is a big deal to you,
1: oh yes, it has been since. I can remember even before I was able to actually read words my I was talking with my mom about this and I said how like what do you remember about when I was reading when I was little what did I like and she said you used to take books everywhere like when I was potty training I would take the books with me while I was potty training <laughs> so I would um my dad used to joke that if we were on trips I would read while we were in the car and he would say if we got lost you would have no idea how to get back to where we were going or where we were in the world because your nose is in a book. So I have been a reader for my entire life.
0: Well, I'm glad he was looking out for you. When we last talked about books, you were saying how you've always loved to read but that your reading life has really evolved in the past few years.
1: Yes. So I actually started the blog after I I came down with a chronic illness. I was a an English teacher, always loved reading like I said before um and then out of the blue I started developing these symptoms where I whenever I would stand up, I felt like I was going to pass out, uh, which is not the best situation when you have to teach sixth grade kids, <laughs> so they don't appreciate it if you have to lay down to teach them, <laughs> although I bet they'd be really nice to you oh yes they um they were very very sweet. I had a great group of kids when I first uh got sick and they they wrote me letters and they would send me. Letters about and emails about the books that they were reading and that they were still doing well in school. So, I miss those kids so much. But when I first, I ended up being diagnosed with a chronic illness called uh, POTS. It stands for Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome, which is basically my body doesn't like to work with gravity anymore. And sometimes people can, anyone can really get this. Uh, chronic illness. A lot of people get it after concussions or car accidents, head injuries. Um, I got mine after a viral illness, kind of like food poisoning. After lots and lots and lots of doctors, we finally figured out how to um, best manage it. And things are fantastic. Now I'm able to, I'll be go after I finish grad school, I'll be going back to teaching hopefully. Um, but in that interim where I had to stop teaching and I could not stand up to cook. I couldn't do anything. I spent a lot of time on the couch. And so I was able, I had the time to sit and read. And I read 150 books that year, which is way more than I've ever read probably (laughs) combined in the years before. But I was reading more widely and I had more time to think about the types of books that I wanted to read. Um, that's kind of how the blog got started. Was because my I was talking with a former um, boss, and he said, "What are you doing with all of these books that you're reading? You need to do something since it, besides just, you know, putting a rating on Goodreads." And I said, "Well, I don't know what to do." And he said, "You should think about a blog." So, thanks to my old boss Corey for. <laughs> did that change the way you read
0: once you started doing that?
1: It did. So I. Because I wasn't able to get up and be social like I was before, I the books were my way with connecting with the world or escaping, depending on uh, ha, what part I, what where my mind was at that time. I really liked dystopian and sci-fi novels, so I read a lot of that. I read a lot of memoirs. Um, one of my three favorite books or th- top three books that I gave to you is a book that I read during this, the first couple of months when I was first sick. She also has a chronic illness. So it was a different way of looking at life and knowing how to kind of make the best of the situation that you're in. So it definitely changed the way I read.
0: Okay, so I I like the way you put that, that sometimes you need to escape, but sometimes you need to get out there. And that books let you do both. Yes. Are you a reading by numbers person now? Like, do you keep track of how many books you read? Do you have goals, that kind of thing?
1: I do. I have the Goodreads goal. Like, I have 150 again this year, and I. <laughs> this is. I have a spreadsheet of all of the books that I've read this year, and it has. It has a little bit more information than I really care to put in there. Um, but I, it has like the publisher and the publication date, the date that I read it. So I know how many books I've read um, each month. It keeps track of the page numbers or if it's an audiobook, how many hours it took me to listen to it. And it also keeps track of diversity because that was another goal for my reading this year was to read um, not just since last year, I read more genres. More widely in genres, I wanted to read more wide, more diverse. I guess have some more diversity in my life um, as far as authors, um, authors of color, um, topics, and keeps track of all of those things for me, <laughs> so so I can nerd out at the end of the year and say I read an average of eleven point four books this year each
0: month or something like that. Did that initial goal to read more diversely precede the founding of the Diverse Books Club? I'd love to hear how that came about.
1: Yeah, it did. So I, (laughs) that, Madeline Riley, who was a, she was a guest on Um, what should I read next before, right?
0: Yes, she was on episode 72.
1: Yes, so she, um, I follow her on Instagram, bookstagram as we kind of call it. And she said, I am thinking about, I need to read more widely, especially with um, all that has happened this year. Uh, She just wanted to be more informed with current events and she thought that her reading life could help her with that. And so she asked if people would be interested in being a part of a diverse books club. And I think she had more of a turnout than she was expecting. So she h- asked for people to help and she brought together a group of, I think there's 10, 13 of us. I'm not sure. Um, from all over the country and we are all on mo- online moderators on Goodreads for our diverse books club. And so each month we have a different theme. We started in September and the discussions have been wonderful. The feedback has been great. I have read even more widely than I anticipated as far as not just with the genres and the types of books, but also with, we read one middle grade, one young adult, and one adult pick. And there's three picture books at least as well. So it's good to see these topics from different points of view and for different age ranges, just so you can kind of get in your head, gauge in your head, like this is what, this is what kids think. This is for a teacher, at least it was good to see just kind of have a different point of access for these themes and topics.
0: Yeah. When you did teach, were you an English teacher? Yes, I was. Okay. To sixth graders. With the middle grade, YA, and adult picks, have you picked up books that you wouldn't have known about or be inclined to read of your own accord?
1: Absolutely. We um, For November, our uh, theme is differing abilities. And all three of these books are definitely books that i would recommend and i want to put in the hands of other people we read the graphic novel el defo by cc bell oh my goodness this book i've never felt more strongly about a graphic novel and i've only i haven't read very many graphic novels like i read mouse and i read persepolis but this one it's one of those books that i just wanted to hug afterwards because it was so wonderful and funny but candid at the same time uh the way that she so cc bell is the illustrator and the author And she talks about her experiences. Um, She has meningitis when she's three or four, and then she loses her hearing. So she talks about how that affected her interactions with her peers and how that affected her kind of self-esteem and how she viewed herself. And she takes her disability and she turns it into kind of a superhero ability and she becomes El Defo. Um, It's just a hilarious look at something that I think most kids would just be down and depressed about, and she turned it on its head.
0: That's fantastic. I love when you can say, like, you just have to read this. It was amazing. The kind of book that makes you go, wow. What were the other picks for November?
1: Love and for Sight by Josh Sunquist. I read that this summer, and I just happened to pick it up from the library. The cover is just this bright, it just it is the title of the book. There's no pictures, but it's just bright neon colors. It just looks like a fun summer read and it's about a 16 year old boy named Will who ha- he's been blind since he has since he was born and he has the opportunity to have a surgery that will allow him to see and it's all about it was more than um, just a oh here's a new ex- adventure in life it was about how the way that the author wrote it it really made me think about Things that I take for granted about looking at different perspectives, literally. And the main character, there's a scene in there that his mom is like, "Oh, look at this! You can see this now when he's first starting to gain his sight." And he was like, "Mom, I don't even know. I don't know what things look like." She goes, "But you, but you know what it is. We've like, you know what it is. This isn't an orange. You know what it is. But I've never seen it before." and I can't see where it is. Just, I'm pointing right at it. And he's like, well, I, I don't know what a finger looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. So it was just, I liked the perspective and I liked the humor involved because it is in high school. And if you can guess from the title, there is some love involved and maybe some misdirection as to what love at first sight might be. So it's just, it was just a comical look at those situations kind of like C.C. C. bells book. Yeah, comical but but you learn something from it.
0: Yeah, in comical but also sometimes it's just you you could laugh or you could cry and the author nudges you to laugh. But the other alternative is definitely like right there ready to edge in.
1: What was the adult pick? Uh Jenny Moon by Benjamin Ludwig, which is oh, it was so good. I um it's about a She's 14 years old. Her Jenny Moon is the main character. She has been adopted by her forever parents, which is what she calls them throughout the book. Um and she has autism and it's about uh her wanting to get back to her birth mother so she can take care of her baby doll and she kind of gets into a lot of her mom calls it her forever mom calls it drama, but she she kind of instigates some situations that make her forever parents upset and question whether or not they're really the right family for her. And she all, it's all told through her point of view, which is a 14 year old point of view. And her brain is very unique in the way that she understands things. Like She is fixated on the number nine, so she has to have nine grapes, and she has to go to bed at nine o'clock. She's very funny when she doesn't mean to be. The, the character was very, very strong. I loved this book so much, and I think it's going to give us a lot of discussion this month.
0: I hope so. I'm really curious to hear how the experience of going from reading not that many books a year to reading 150, and then from reading... You didn't say that you weren't reading diversely before, but you did really change the way you were reading. Do you feel like a different reader now that you have those experiences in your readerly history?
1: Yeah, I think I'm more cognizant about the books that I pick up. With StrengthsQuest StrengthsFinder, I my number one strength is learner, which is a compliment to me as, in my teaching life because I, if I enjoy the learning, then the students enjoy it even more. I think so. When I pick up a book, I think. Of when I'm reading the synopsis on the back, I think about what can I gain from this book? Is it going to be worth my time to sit down and read this? Sometimes I'll look on Goodreads and say, is this something that people have given high accolades because they've, not just because it's a great book, but it's taught them something about their own lives. Um, Those are the books that I try to gravitate towards more just so, because there's life is so short and I don't want to read a bad book. <laughs> so I feel like if I am able to gain something and glean something from it, then it's going to be not just worth my while, but just that extra boost of, yes, this was a great book,
0: if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. And I can't wait to hear your favorites. Are you ready to go there?
1: I'm oh, great. Yeah, let's go. Readers,
0: if you love What Should I Read Next, you're going to love being part of our Patreon community. That's where we share bonus episodes, including follow-ups with previous guests, interesting conversations that were cut for time reasons, and One Great Book Style episodes where I tell you all about recent reads that I adore. In addition to the extra audio, you get access to our super secret spreadsheet vault with the full list of all the books guests love and my three recommendations from every episode in an easy-to-search format. And on occasion, we get together live online for Ask Us Anything-style conversations and events like our 90-minute fall book preview and summer reading guide unboxing. Join for all these perks and to be part of the community behind What Should I Read Next. Go to patreon.com slash whatshouldireadnext. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash whatshouldireadnext to become a member today. Patreon.com slash whatshouldireadnext. Okay, Alexandra, you know how this works. You tell me three books you love, one book you don't, and what you've been reading lately, and then we'll talk about what you should read next. Let's start with your favorites. What is a book you love?
1: I love Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. Tell me more. When did you read it? I read it in high school like everybody else does. <laughs> I
0: didn't though. Like I didn't read this for the first time until uh, maybe five years ago. Really? Yeah. I don't know what I was reading instead in high school. I mean, I read some good stuff, but not this one.
1: Well, we it wasn't assigned reading. We read some of his short stories in high school and I can I can picture the classroom and the teacher and everything. I think I picked it up because she did such a great job of like hooking us with Ray Bradbury and his style of writing. He's dystopian. It's very mysterious and eerie. Something is, in all of his things that I've read, something is just not quite right and you can't put your finger on it um, until the very end. You know, That might be why I never
0: read Fahrenheit 451 in high school, because we did read some short stories. And I remember being traumatized, like in the best possible way in hindsight, but still traumatized by All Summer in a day because of the gut punch of the last paragraph. And I can see how maybe I wasn't eager to go re-experience that. But you did. You read Fahrenheit 451 on your own.
1: I read it several times. (laughs) In, in high school, I, yes, in high school i I was always down in the library and I probably rented or like borrowed that book probably at least five times in my high school career.
0: What kept bringing you back? or was is that normal for you first of all to read a book so many times?
1: No, 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 not at all i I do reread books, but only if there is a specific reason I had to read um, the Handmaid's Tale for the first time last year for grad school and I loved that book, which is i I would equate it with the same type of genre dystopian feel as Fahrenheit 451. And after I was done with the academic um, viewing of the book, I had to go back and read, I read it right after, reread it right after I finished it for school. And then I reread it again this year. (laughs) So it's, I think it's a testament to, I guess, how much I love those types of books, if I'm able to go back and reread them. But I haven't reread Fahrenheit 451 for years. So maybe I'll go back and read it now. <laughs> <laughs> what are you in grad school for? To get my master's in English. I'm very consistent. Okay. <laughs>
0: we like that around here.
1: <laughs> Alexandra, what's your next favorite? My next favorite was Furiously Happy, a funny book about horrible things by Jenny Lawson.
0: That's such a great title.
1: It is. And it's the title is very appropriate for what the book is about. It's nonfiction. It is about Jenny Lawson is a blogger online. She's known as the blog Uh But she suffers from or she has anxiety, depression and a chronic illness. Um, and this was the book that I was talking about before that I picked up just I happened to pick it up when I was first developing my chronic illness symptoms. And um, she talks about how she is going to be furiously happy out of sheer spite um, because she does have some pretty bad anxiety so much so that when she goes and does speaking engagements, sometimes that she will not want to leave her hotel room and she will have to, she, (laughs) one of the stories in the book is talks about how she wants to take an emotional support animal on a plane with her, but the airline won't let her because it is a taxidermied um, raccoon. (laughs) So she just looks, she has a way of looking at life that is not like everybody else. It's very unique. She talks about how she has a lot of hard and difficult times in her life, and she talks about how to balance that with humor and just how to make, again, how to make the best out of situations. Um, All of her stories are very candid. Um, She does have some language in it, which is not um, my... Favorite part of her writing, but she she doesn't hold anything back, which is what I like about her writing. Doesn't hold anything back. That's a good way to describe Jenny Lawson. Absolutely. She. Her, I read her first book as well. Um, Let's pretend this never happened. Um, and that one wasn't as humorous, and it it, it didn't focus so much on um, her life. It focused on growing up with her father, and he was a taxidermist, and he would bring home these <laughs> like roadkill animals you would find on the ground and he would bring them home and make them into puppets for them and he would taxidermy them for various situations so she developed a love of taxidermy animals and the cover of that book has a taxidermied mouse with like shakespearean garb on and a little (laughs) a little skull in his hand like he's giving a monologue from Hamlet, so. (laughs) (laughs) I like
0: the way you projected Shakespeare onto that mouse.
1: (laughs) He he definitely is. I feel like he is.
0: You know what? I've seen that book and I just, mm, I imagined him on a stage, but my imagination stopped there. (laughs) Thankfully, there are other readers and authors to fill in the blanks. (laughs) Alexandra, what's your next favorite?
1: My next one is Be Frank With Me by Julia Claiborne Johnson. I think I actually picked this one up because I think one of, one episode, you mentioned it, and I thought, that sounds like a fun book. I think I might have.
0: This sounds, I think this was a really long time ago, but I remember talking about the audio version, how it's fantastic. But are you an audiobook listener?
1: Wait, yes, because it's in your spreadsheet. I am an audiobook re- listener, um, but I, I read this one. I did read physically and listen to the audio to um, let or furiously happy because it was just, it was one of those books that was just so funny that I was reading whole passages out loud to anybody I could find and laughing out loud, which is not, I don't laugh out loud to books very often. <laughs> so I like, I have to share this with you. So, but with Be Frank With Me, I, the characters are all so different from each other, but they work the way that the author writes they all work together. I'm I have no idea how she did it because there is there's three main characters. I would say there's a reclusive author who's very moody and brooding, and she likes to keep to herself. And then um, her son is Frank, and he's nine years old. He's very eccentric. He loves old Hollywood. He's into extreme fashion. He's just a very much an old soul in a very tiny young body. And then there is a young woman who becomes the author's assistant to make sure that she writes this new book and she is naive and she has she comes to town with stars in her eyes with these grand plans and everything is turned on its head and nothing is what she expected it to be so it's a very quirky story um i love how strong the characters are there's the um the nine-year-old boy he he brings in a lot of historical elements from things that I enjoyed in my childhood, like old Hollywood movies, um, like Spencer Tracy, Judy Garland, Catherine Hepburn, Casablanca. Um, and there's a small mystery in there as well to find out who Frank's real dad is. It's lighthearted. When I was done, and I was, I wrote a blog post about it, so I went back and looked at it <laughs> um, to see what exactly I loved so much about this book, and it's... It is a very lighthearted story and it's quirky and it was a very quick read. It's not something that you, you like sludge and trudge along with. It's very fun to read. But at the end I found myself thinking about um, how do I respond to people who are not like me or people who do not fit the norm and what kind of value we put on conformity in our society because Frank is not, he doesn't get along with very many kids in his life with his fellow students. He gets along with more with the older people who actually know what he's talking about with these movies and why he would want to dress with a top hat and a monocle and just how we react to our own guilt, which is something that the the author character in the book deals with.
0: All right. I like the way you unpacked that because at first blush, it's a little bit different than the other choices. Alexandra, what's a book you didn't love?
1: Oh, <laughs> I did not like Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. How did you end up reading that? For grad school. <laughs> it is not something that I would have picked up on my own. I am, when I read, I am very invested in the books that I'm reading, so much so that I will sometimes dream about them, and this was one that I if I didn't have to finish it for grad school, I would have put it down. And I, I hate putting books down. I will make myself finish them. But this was, was just violence for violence's sake. Um, it was very dense. It was. He is a very interesting and he writes very beautifully. But it was, it felt very presumptuous and reaching for me. There was an unreliable narrator, which was fine. I. I can get behind an unreliable narrator, but there was nothing redeeming about any characters in this book. And it was just mentally and emotionally exhausting to read it. What are you reading right now? I just finished Castle of Water by Dane Hucklebridge. Is that his name? I loved it. And it's all over Instagram. This was the book to read this summer. And it took me a little bit to get it from the library, but I finally read it. And it was it lived up to the hype, which I was afraid of. Um, I was afraid it wouldn't. It's a castaway story, but it's not your typical castaway story because there are, there's a language barrier between the two characters and it kind of jumps back and forth between the present and the future, what happens later on. It was, it was a very hopeful castaway story, but it also breaks your heart at the same time. I am also reading, let's see, I just finished The Improbability of Love. Love. By Hannah Rothschild. It is about a woman who buys a painting for her boyfriend for their anniversary dinner or his birthday or something. And he ends up standing her up and they break it off. They're no longer dating. But she has this painting and she doesn't know what to do with it. She found it in a pawn shop or something. She goes back to return it and the pawn shop has been destroyed by a fire. So now she's stuck with this painting and it turns out that it might be worth more than what she originally thought. And as we're learning about the painting and discovering who might have painted it and what's the story behind it, the painting also gives its two cents and is some chapters where it is the narrator. Oh, that
0: sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, it is. The, it didn't narrate as much as I had thought it would, but there are a lot of a lot of extra characters who are searching for this book, or not the book, the painting. And it kind of makes life a little bit difficult for the main character who owns the painting <laughs> so it's pretty good yeah that sounds interesting
0: okay to round out the picture of your reading life well the sketch is there anything that you'd like to change or that you want more of when it comes to your books and reading
1: uh for change, this is going to sound like this is <laughs> I don't think very many people will have this problem. I read too many books at a time. <laughs> so I will, I don't have a problem picking up a book in the middle of reading another book. Um, which if the second book that I pick up is better than the first, then the first one just falls to the wayside. And I'm very good about going back to books and finishing them. Like right now on my currently reading shelf, I probably have 10 books. I have five books sitting next to me on my bedstand that I am shuffling through. And it, Sometimes they're, they're all very different genres most of the time. Um, like one would be for the Diverse Books Club to vet a read for the coming months, and one would be for an in-person book club that I'm in. One is for grad school, and then two or three others are just because I want to read them. Um, so I would like to find books that would keep me more focused on what I am currently reading and not make me want to pick up another book, I guess. Okay. Um, well,
0: when you form a support group, let me know.
1: readers anonymous
0: (laughs) exactly reader of too many books anonymous yes I don't know we could play I'm sure we could find something that would play all right well that gives me lots to work with I'm a little afraid you've read everything I know I say that a lot but I really am especially for someone who's read 150 books a year a few times and (laughs) I'm looking forward to hearing what you think (laughs) Alexandra let's talk about your books are you ready yes okay so I really like the diversity of choices you have here. So you have a dystopian classic by a master of uh, spare and dense and inventive. (sighs) How to describe Jenny Lawson? You have Jenny Lawson. So memoirish nonfiction, really funny, really sad, all wrapped into a bundle, inextricable, one from the other. And then, be frank with me, a lighthearted book, which on the surface is... You know, da 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 da. But you said how it really insightfully helped you um, reflect on how you respond to people who aren't like you. And then, no gore, violence, bleak literary novels for you. I think that'll be easy enough. Please no. Yeah. So, <laughs> what I really like to find for you, something that makes you laugh out loud, something that feels appeals to your book loving self would be good. Not just because I mean, obviously, we're all people who like to read here. But um, something that really appeals to the book lover in you specifically, and um, definitely something that like hits the empathy button. Okay, first, have you I feel surely you must have read Dear Fahrenheit 451? Because you mentioned the Bradbury. So of course,
1: I have not read it. But I did get it for my birthday a couple weeks ago. So <gasps> Really? Yeah.
0: A couple weeks ago, but not yet.
1: No. Well, I, I got it in the mail from actually from the Diverse Books Club team. They sent it to me as a surprise. Oh, that's yeah. so sweet. And I, I opened the box and I said, oh my gosh, I've been dying to read this book. And it, it's just one of those books that's just sitting on top of my pile waiting for me to have enough time. And I think it's going to be a book that you shouldn't sit down with and read all at once. It's one that you read a couple of the letters at a time. But that is definitely up my alley. <laughs> Well,
0: if you don't know this book, so this is a new essay. I guess it's an essay collection. Although it's not so much essays, but love letters. I think the subtitle is something like a librarian's love letters and breakup notes to the books in her life. So it's by Annie Spence. And she is or at least has been in the past. A librarian at public libraries i think in the detroit area so at the very beginning of the book she said she frames it as love letters to her favorite books but then she also says how if you are a librarian one of your jobs or one of her jobs depending on what your job is in the library system was to weed the books to, to pull ones that had been in circulation long enough or that weren't getting read by patrons and to remove them from the library shelves so she writes some letters to those books saying like this is why your time is over. And it's a little bit like I'd like to recommend it to everyone I know, but it does not pass the grandmother test for me. Like, would I read this book out loud to my grandmother? (laughs) Absolutely not. So and probably not my mom either. But it's such a fun book for book lovers. And the hardcover is Gorgeous. Like it's a small, probably like a seven inch by five inch small, like gifty looking collection with a really beautiful matte hardcover jacket. Look it up. It's so pretty and it's prettier in person. Um, Good. I'm glad to hear you have that in your life because I was thinking memoirs that have emotional resonance and sometimes make you laugh out loud and talk about books you love, like Fahrenheit 451, um, which she is not going to weed. I'm sure that's not a spoiler. So I tell you not to read it if she did. Okay. What about, have you read any David Sedaris?
1: I think I listened to
0: an audiobook of one of his books, but I don't remember which one. I get the titles confused because they're, they the title doesn't sum up everything in the book. It's just one essay and I can't really remember how it goes. Okay. Because I can see many people who who overlapped your taste or especially people who like Jenny Lawson um, because he has that same way of talking about the poignant in a way that makes you laugh so hard you pee your pants so okay what about Heating and Cooling by Beth Ann Fennelly never heard of it okay good I like that this is a really unusual book that I think didn't I felt like it didn't want me to find it several authors who I think knew family, but I might be wrong, um, started recommending this to me this summer. And uh, I couldn't get my hands on it. My bookstore ordered it and then couldn't find my order. Um, I tried to order it online and they delivered it someplace I never found. it. It said it was delivered, but it never came to me. I thought, is this a sign? But then somebody checked in and said, have you read that yet? You'll really like that book. So I bought myself a copy and I'm so glad I did. It's so good. So it's called Heating and Cooling. This is 52 micro memoirs. I wasn't sure what to think about the micro memoir concept, but I really, really liked it. So it's kind of like a short story collection, but not because some of the micro memoirs have a really interesting title that tells you half of what you need to know and an 11 word sentence. And that's your micro memoir, just capturing something funny or sad, or bizarre that happened to the author. And then some are more like six or seven page substantial stories, like more that would be at home in a short story collection. But you have the 22 word ones, followed by the thousand word ones. And it's just a really interesting mix. I would really recommend this to anybody who's in a reading slump, because it's so enjoyable. It's so there's a lot of diversity of content here. And it's just so easy to get through really, really fast. It's 112 pages, it goes really quick, it's a really pretty little small hardcover book again. But what I really love is how she's able to uh, punch you in the gut, like Bradbury can, just the last sentence in an essay. She'll, she'll say something that changes the way you understand it and makes you go, oh, wow. And then some essays, like I was reading this on the couch a week or two ago, and I was like trying hard not to cackle. And my kids were <laughs> like, what are you doing? And it's really hard to evoke that kind of reaction from a reader where you are literally laughing out loud, but she does it. Right after she like almost makes you cry. And I really admire that. And I think part of it is that she is, she's an English professor. So a kindred spirit, maybe. Um, she's in Mississippi. I don't read a lot of Mississippi authors. She lives in Oxford. And she's also a poet. I think she might actually be the current poet laureate of the state of Mississippi. This isn't poetry, but but poets, be, because they are poets, are very economical in their word choices. Uh, they know the power of a well well-turned phrase. And that's very evident in the way this is written. It's so unique. I've never read anything else like it. It's so fun.
1: How does that sound? It sounds fantastic. It sounds like something I would pick up today, (laughs) that I want to pick up today.
0: Okay, good. I'm glad you like the sound of that.
1: Alexandra, have
0: you read anything by Melissa de la Cruz? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, this is a book that was brought to me by Bookstagram. What happened was a publisher sent me a copy of her book, Pride and Prejudice and Mistletoe. It might not be out yet, but it's coming out soon, if not. And it's a Jane Austen retelling, of course. My blog is called Modern Mrs. Darcy. A lot of these come my way, and I'm an absolute sucker for reading them. But I think I Instagrammed something about how I was reading her or reading that particular book, because I can't resist. And a couple different readers said, have you read something in between? And I hadn't heard of something in between. So this is a YA book that she wrote. It came out in October of 2016. And it really reminded me of The Sun is Also a Star. Did you read that one?
1: No, but it's on my shelf.
0: Okay. I might have gone straight for that one if I if I knew that you hadn't read it yet, they're both They're. I think they're really both wonderful books and they are similar only in that they both deal with immigration. The actual stories are very different, but what I like about this is it's, it's an enjoyable read. It's fun. I mean, if you're an adult who's no longer in the midst of like teen angst and emotional romantic upheaval, it's a, it's a fun read. It's a light read, but she deals with issues of immigration really, really, really well, really empathetically so that you can understand the situation of a girl. Her main character, her name is Jasmine, and she's a Filipino. She's the daughter of Filipino immigrant parents in California. And what happens is she has worked hard. She's ready to move on, get into a great school. And she won this amazing hard to get college scholarship that is a really, really big deal. Not just a scholarship anywhere, but a big national, let's go to the White House and accept it kind of scholarship thing. And then in the course of winning this award, she discovers she can't accept the scholarship because her family is illegal. And she hates that phrase. Like how can a person be illegal? And she says that. She had no idea until until she won the scholarship and thought that her next chapter was beginning that actually their position in the United States was very tenuous because they no longer had their papers. They'd lost them years ago and she had no idea because they didn't want to burden her with that. So in the midst of that, there's the, there's the friend story. There's the love story that develops. There's the figuring out what you want to do with your life story. How does that sound to you? Oh, that sounds so good. I'm really glad to hear it. I hope you enjoy it. And it would be a wonderful companion read with the sun is also a star. Both books stand completely, entirely on their own. But like you said, that you wanted to read diversely, especially in light of what's happening in our culture right now, Um, just understanding different facets of that immigrant experience is not going to be a bad thing for any reader right now. This feels a little silly because, I mean, who really needs anybody to recommend this author to them? But have you read the new John Green?
1: I it, it is sitting right next to Dear Fahrenheit Four Fifty One, waiting for me <laughs> to read. I've read the first two chapters. Um, I'm a big John Green fan. I have all of his other books, and um, he's actually from he's from the Indianapolis area, which is where I am. Well, this one and The Fault in Our Stars took place in Indianapolis, so it's fun to see those places that i know and have been to mentioned so yes that is right up my alley as well
0: (laughs) okay good because i was thinking of the way if the fault in our stars was cancer turtles all the way down is about anxiety and specifically obsessive compulsive disorder so you read you learn something and i i didn't realize his history with anxiety so that was really interesting to find out in the course of hearing him talk about turtles okay What about Shades of Grey by Jasper Ford?
1: No, I haven't read that one.
0: Okay. He is probably best known for his Thursday Next series, which are these screwball literary kind of capers that mess with the classics in a really weird, futuristic, dystopian kind of way. But this book is not in that series. It's called Shades of Grey. It came out more than five years ago, Less than ten, you're either gonna love this or or hate it. So he writes books that are zany. Um, If you look through the reviews, they'll say something like, "This is not like anything I've ever read. This is the weirdest book I've ever encountered." That that's what I'm expecting you to find. So it's dystopian and it's set in this future version of Britain, in which society is divvied up based on what colors you can see and to what degree. So that might actually be fun to read in the wake of Love and First Sight. And it's really interesting to me how in all his work, Ford manages to clearly have opinions about the society we live in. Like These definitely have a satirical bent, but you never feel like he's beating you over the head. So these are weird and fun and really, really smart. Occasionally, a little self-consciously so, but... But for someone who likes dystopian and is okay to go someplace strange, I think this could be a really fun, definitely uh, unique read for you. What do you think?
1: That sounds awesome. Actually, your description of it reminds me of a book called Smoke, um, which is... Oh, I've I've heard of this, but I haven't read it. It was... Oh, I loved that book. This... It actually probably is nothing like it at all. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'll read Smoke, and you read Shades of Grey, and we'll compare now. Yes, but Smoke is about um, a society where if you do something bad or you, I guess, sin, I guess, quote-unquote sin, like you lie or you hurt somebody, you, your body emits smoke um, so people can tell if you are not being a good person, whether or not um, you're smoking, but it the society is divided into like the elite, like the upper class people and then the lower class. And it seems that the lower class always has have smoke around them and the upper class do not. So there's more than meets the eye to that. So you're dividing by what colors you can see kind of reminded me of that. Oh, I'm so excited for that one. I'm glad to hear it. But what about smoke?
0: I think I might have actually checked this out of the library and not read it because I'm looking at the cover now. Um, did you enjoy it?
1: I did. It wasn't... Um, I think I had really high expectations for it just based on the premise and it might not have quite lived up to them Um, but it was definitely a book that I would recommend again. Okay, I, I will take that.
0: Well, Alexandra, of your three books, what do you think you'll read next? Oh, maybe, maybe the two on your nightstand are the <laughs> yes. obvious suggestions. Yes.
1: um, Actually, I might, heating and cooling sounded really good and so did Shades of Grey. So I'm going to have a hard time figuring out. I'll probably read them all at the same time, to be honest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm serious. I'm so in for that support group. I mean, honestly, I'd probably rather be reading, but I need that support group. Don't we all? Oh, right. Well, this
1: was fun. Thank you
0: so much for talking books with me today.
1: Oh, thank you so much. This was great.
0: Readers, our special shop for What Should I Read Next and Modern Mrs. Darcy Goods is stocked and ready to go for the holidays. And I'd encourage you to order now because when we're out, we are out. We have What Should I Read Next Book Darts, one of my very favorite bookish accessories, available in What Should I Read Next or Modern Mrs. Darcy Custom Tins. And you can get your own at What Should whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash shop. We have beautiful Leuchtturm journals in the shop. I use these myself. They're the gold standard for bullet journalers and they're available on their own or as part of our fantastic reading journal kits, which is basically a fun way to try a variety of pens without having to shell out the big bucks. Check out those and more bookish goodies in our shop. That's at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash shop. If you would like your own personalized copy of my book, Reading People, How Seeing the World Through the Lens of Personality Changes Everything, but haven't been able to see me on one of my book tour stops, I have good news. You can order a personalized copy through Carmichael's Bookstore, my very own hometown independent bookstore. Order online at carmichael'sbookstore.com or give them a call and order through an actual human. Either way, let them know you'd like it signed and they'll get me in there to sign it and personalize it any way you'd like before they ship your order straight to your door bookdarts, journals, a personalized copy of Reading People. These would all make excellent gifts for the holidays or any time of year. And when you buy them, you also support my work and the show. Order your personalized copy of Reading People through Carmichael's Bookstore or visit whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash shop to get your bookdarts, journals, reading kits, and more bookish goodies. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alexandra today. Head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for Alexandra and let her know there what you thought of my recommendations. That page is at what should I read next dot com slash one hundred four that's one zero four and it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. You can connect with Alexandra by following at Booked Up blog on Twitter and Instagram and checking out her blog at booked dot weebly dot com. We have another great episode coming your way next week, and it's one I am very excited to share with you. Someday, maybe I'll tell you the story of how I Googled my guest 15 minutes before we recorded and was surprised to find a very extensive IMDb profile. But it's hard to be too intimidated when you're talking to another passionate reader, and our conversation was so good. Here's a preview. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I have no problem saying a book is horrible. (laughs) That's coming your way next Tuesday. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a thing. Readers, one of the easiest ways you can support the authors and podcasters you love is to write a review. It's free, it's quick, it's easy, but it makes a big difference to us. If you enjoy this podcast, I would appreciate it so much if you review it on iTunes, because that makes it so much easier for your fellow book lovers to find our show. If you enjoyed my book, Reading People, How Seeing the World Through the Lens of Personality Changes Everything, would you take a minute and leave a review on a site like Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or Goodreads? Your fellow readers rely on your reviews to decide what to read and listen to next. And that's why writing a quick review means so much to your favorite authors and podcasters. Thanks in advance for those ratings and reviews. I appreciate them so much. If you're on Twitter, let me know there at Anne Bogle. That is Anne with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Tag us on Instagram to share what you are reading. You can find me there at Anne Bogle and at what should I read next. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.